ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth, it still endures till every single generation. Aren't you thankful that that is the God we serve? That he still gives us his truth to keep us. That we can still come into his presence and praise his holy his holy name. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for him. I wrote this song a few years back, and it is true more today than ever. I have found that Jesus is all I will ever need, no matter what I face in my life. I learned it in the valley. was reminded on the mountaintops just the other day that
Could we stand and could we lift our hands and our voices in worship unto the Lord Jesus? Could we give him praise for his great presence that's in this room today? Hallelujah. Come on, whatever need you brought into the lighthouse with you today, you ought to lift your voice in faith right now unto a God that is able to meet your need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Could we just do what the Word says for just a moment and cast our cares upon Him with the understanding that indeed He careth for us? Would you do that right now? Hands lifted all over this sanctuary. Your eyes closed and your voice being raised unto the Lord. Would you lay every burden at His feet right now? Would you cast every care upon Him? Hallelujah. Come on, I feel the witness of the Spirit in this room right now. I believe the power of God is getting ready to be manifested in a mighty way. Would you place your faith in the power of His name right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Minister, I pray, Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God. What a tremendous honor it is to stand in the presence of a holy God today. We serve a great God. Amen. We serve a great God. I'm so thankful for the tremendous visitation of the Holy Ghost that we've already experienced in this service today. Whatever your need is today, whatever nature that need is, there's a power in this place being the power of God. and You can leave this service having received everything you need from the Lord. It matters not what's going on in your life, what kind of feelings you're experiencing, what kind of frustrations. It matters not the fears that are bombarding your mind. It matters not what reminders of your past have haunted you. It, it matters not what failures have 
pinned you to the ground and said you could never get back up again. There's victory in this house today. There's victory in this house today. Praise God. It's so great to be back. Um, if you, you will grab your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew. I'll read out of the 26th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, beginning at the 40th verse. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 40. While you turn there, and they put that on the screen, uh, it is so great to be back at the Lighthouse. As Pastor mentioned, my wife and I have had the privilege of, of being here many times now. And uh, In fact, some of you thought we had moved here uh, about a year ago. Our RV was about back for so long. And uh, so it's great to be back. We love and appreciate this great church. And, of course, Pastor and Sister Buford, we love and appreciate them so very much. And you are certainly blessed with a great pastor and pastor's wife for which you ought to give God praise and thanks every day. Amen. We love and appreciate them. Of course, Bishop and Sister uh, Buford, we appreciate them so very much. And uh, so many people all across this audience uh, we have relationships with, and, and it's so, so great to see each and every one of you. Uh, there's a few Oklahoma Urshan students in the house today, and I wanted to give them a shout out. Jamin's got a cousin down here on the second row. We love Maddie. And uh, it's just great to be here. Let's just have church for a little while. Anybody come to have church this morning? <laughs> amen. Amen. We do have a table in the West for you. You know you're an awesome church when you got multiple foyers, and you got to clarify which foyer I'm talking about. We got CDs. Jamin's got a, a new book since we were here last, and so that's over here in this foyer. We'd love for you to come by and take a look at that after service. Matthew chapter 26. Verse number 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not Pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. He is at hand that doth betray me. I have felt so, so heavy on my mind the last week, week and a half, this message. There's much that could be preached as we set out on this new year. It's the second Sunday of 2023. And even from this, this very passage of Scripture, many directions could be taken today, many things that I could preach on. But I want to pull my subject from the 46th verse, that last verse of Scripture that we read this afternoon. 
after finding his disciples for the third time, slumbering and sleeping, Jesus says, sleep on now, take your rest. But in verse 46, Jesus says, rise. Let us be going. I want to preach for just a few moments this afternoon on this subject, going with God again. Going with God again. Before you're seated, I I feel such a witness of his presence in this room right now. Would you set your Bible on your chair? And I would ask every individual in this room, would you lift your hands upwards toward heaven? And would you ask God to speak to your heart over these next few moments? Lord God, we are so grateful not only to stand in your presence, but to know that you have stepped into this room with a divine purpose and intention, a purpose that undoubtedly involves every individual that has gathered at the lighthouse today. God, I pray that your word would have liberty to minister. I pray that the anointing of God would flow through this sanctuary. God, let it rest upon my lips of clay today. But also, may that anointing of God rest upon every ear rest upon every heart that is here right now. I pray that there would be a response, not just to the preaching, but to the Word of God today. May there be a response of faith and obedience to your Spirit that is moving so powerfully. We thank you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Matthew's account of this occurrence in his 26th chapter is one of the glimpses we have into the monumental and meaningful moments which led to Christ's crucifixion. Hours before he would offer his own life as the ultimate sacrifice for sin, Jesus departed from that upper room guest chamber where the last supper was served. and He entered into the garden of Gethsemane to prepare himself for the awful agony of Calvary which was so imminently approaching. Into this familiar place Jesus takes with him to share in his sorrow the three friends who we know to have belonged in his inner circle of disciples. Peter, James, John. It was these same three men who had been present with Jesus in the home of Jairus and witnessed that dead daughter being raised back to life. A little later when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, He again chose three men to accompany him. Therefore, when we consider Peter, James, and John, these men had seen miracles no one else had seen. They had been a part of things that others had not been a part of. They had been to places with Jesus that others had not been. And so here in Gethsemane's garden, he chooses them again to perhaps 
teach these three men a lesson. That great privilege always involves great responsibility. Yet I believe the lesson Jesus was teaching was this. More than responsibility, Jesus was helping them to understand that he had placed before them an opportunity. He had extended to these three men a divine invitation wherewith they might be able to prepare themselves for the unknown temptations and the trials which were yet to come that lingered on the periphery and would soon shake them to the very foundation of their being. Jesus invited them to join him in that garden and his instructions were simple. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And then Jesus warned them that obeying his directive would indeed be difficult. Saying the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Then Jesus Leaving those three, he went a little further into the garden to pray alone and prepare himself for the fulfillment of salvation's plan that awaited him on Calvary. But amid his prayer, Jesus hit the pause button and came back to find his three closest friends sleeping. I interpret his words as as being soaked with tears and disappointment. That's how I imagine the voice of Jesus when he says to these three, could ye not watch with me just one hour? To which those, those disciples momentarily stir, but soon they fall back asleep. Jesus later returns again in that 45th verse, the third time, finding them asleep. And these were his words. Sleep on now and take your rest. In other words, you have chosen to slumber and therefore consequentially you have missed your opportunity. That moment that I gave you will never again return. That chance that I had placed before you will never again be within your grasp. It was yours and you threw it away. Therefore, as far as that opportunity goes, you can sleep on. It occurs to me that these three men were hours away from the greatest moment in time, yet they failed to be and to do all that Christ had asked of them. Can I preach this afternoon how painful it is for you and I to admit such actions and confess to our own failings, yet it is true. We are all familiar with failure. The Word of God teaches, in fact, Paul taught the Romans, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For it is written, there is none righteous, no, not 
one. I understand that on this second Sunday of 2023, we all look good today. It seems as though we've all got it going on and there's not a, there's not a thing wrong. But the, the honest truth is we are all familiar with failure. Brutally honest language, it was the prophet Isaiah who described the nature of us all when he said their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. For indeed there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. For we were all shapen in iniquity. And in sin did our mother conceive us. Isaiah, it was also he who wrote in, in chapter 42 and verse number 4, he wrote of one of whom it is said, he shall not fail. Certainly, ladies and gentlemen, Isaiah was not describing me. He was not writing of you because none of us today are above falling to failure. So while approaching Gethsemane's gate, Jesus foretold his friends of their failure that was to come, saying, all of you shall be offended of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Peter, we all love Peter. He immediately spoke up thinking himself to be better than the others and above failure. Peter says, oh, Jesus, others may stumble. Others may fall, but make no mistake, I, I've got it all together. I will never stumble. Yet Peter, in all of his impulse and, and, and in all of his radicalism, would in no time at all fall the hardest, stumble the most among his brethren. I know I'm, I'm moving slow here just for a moment. I want you to hang with me here today because what I find both discouraging and encouraging all at the same time is that these disciples did not fail just one time. In fact, theirs was a trap of repeated failure. Twice did Jesus wake them and remind them of their responsibility. And yet twice they failed and slept on the command and the directive of God. On the heels of that failure, uh, Peter went and failed uh, again, denying even knowing Christ. Uh, not just one time, not just two times, uh, but three times he denies ever knowing Jesus Christ. 
Once their Lord had been arrested beneath the cover of night, it's as if the majority of those remaining disciples immediately set themselves on a downward spiral of cataclysmic disaster. It seemed as though one failure led to another failure. One question coming across the forefront of their mind just brought with it another question and another wondering. One fear led to another fear. And I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost to somebody in this building today. Such is the cycle of sin. Once you fall into its trap, once you give in once, there will always come another temptation. Once you fall asleep on God, one time it becomes so easy to fall asleep on God yet again. Once you go one day without spending time in his presence, once you go one day without prayer, it gets real easy to get up the next morning and go without prayer and spending time at the feet of Jesus. Christ. Once you skip one church service, it becomes real easy to just lay out of another. And next thing you know, it's it's March. All of our New Year's resolutions have been forgotten about. And it's March, April. And I hadn't been to the lighthouse in a little while. Because one failure, one mistake always leads to another. Because sin is a cycle. Failure is a ever-revolving door of never-ending opportunity. And some of you are wondering where I'm going and why I would come preaching a heavy message like this today. Here is what I have come to preach. It is not the will of God that you live under the curse of a repeated failure. I don't know how many people are in this room today. It may be well my mission to preach to about five or six of you. And I am perfectly fine with that. But I feel so emphatically in my spirit to rise against the voices of opposition that would lie to you at the beginning of a new year and say you can never be better than what you have always been. That devil is a liar. It is not God's will that you live in the cycle of repeated failure and falling. I don't care how long you've been addicted. You can be delivered today. I don't care how long you've been bound by bitterness. You can be delivered today. I don't care how long you've battled against fear and anxiety and depression. One moment in his presence, one move of his spirit can lift that cloud up off of your mind. It doesn't matter how long you've been fettered in your faith. God can set you free today. 
It doesn't matter how long you've battled against perversion in your mind. It matters not how many times you have fallen, amen, and been bombarded with thoughts of evil and of sin. I've come to preach more than just a New Year's resolution. There can be a new revolution in your life today. That cycle can be broken. You may have failed a lot in 2022, but can I preach to somebody? It's more than just a new year on the calendar. I submit it's a new day. It's a new season. Let's go to a new level. Let's go to a new dimension in Jesus. Can can I help somebody today? Moses repeatedly got angry with God. David repeatedly sinned against the Lord. Samson repeatedly fell to pride. Jonah repeatedly said no. The woman of Samaria repeatedly repeatedly committed adultery. Zacchaeus repeatedly stole what wasn't his. Saul repeatedly persecuted the followers of Christ. Man, the followers of Christ even repeatedly doubted time and time again. Yet for each of them, those repeated failures could not keep God away. Those repeated failures could not keep God from putting an end to the cycle and transforming their lives. So on the outset of 2023, I've come up to rise against the voice of condemnation and preach to somebody, your failures don't have to be repeated any longer. If you want to get victory over it, God is ready and willing to give you victory. The same old things that weighed you down last year, you don't have to let those things weigh you down this year. Those same things that stole your joy last year, God's ready to restore that joy and to loose you from those things that would rob you. Peter, James, and John succeeded at sleeping and slumbering, but they failed miserably at watching and praying. And having fallen short of God's directive, Jesus told them, sleep on. You've missed the opportunity that I've given you. I want you to hear me today. That was not all Jesus said to them. Jesus could have easily scolded them for their careless behavior. He could have easily reprimanded these three for not taking seriously this prayer meeting. He could have have written them off. He could have forever banished them from his plan. In fact, by our own human standards, if we were all in the sandals of Christ, we would have said, all right, you've you've done it this time. 
Get up and go, but you're going to have to go alone. You're not worthy to go with me. But I would preach to somebody today, rather the words that Jesus spoke were not words of judgment. They were not words of condemnation. They were words of mercy. They were words of grace. Amen. To those barely awakened and disoriented disciples who had failed to fulfill the directive of God, Jesus looked them in their sleepy eyes and said, rise. Let us be gone. They had just been given one opportunity and they had failed it miserably. Yet quicker than they could wipe the sleepy from their eyes, Jesus forgave them and said, come on, let's try this again. I'm willing to give you another opportunity. I've got more than just one opportunity. I've got the opportunity of a second chance. It's the second Sunday of 2023. And I've come to preach to somebody who the devil has beat you up over last year. We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God full of mercy and grace. And I hear the voice of the Spirit. Get up. Let's go. James and John they would unfortunately go on to fail him yet again especially Peter but Jesus set a precedence in that garden with that simple statement Jesus seemed to nail down a doctrine if I could call it that he set the precedence and that precedence was this no failure is final No mistake is beyond the mercy of God. No hang up is beyond the help of Jesus Christ. I feel like preaching to somebody today. I don't care what the devil's told you. I don't care how how defeated you may feel. Hear me today, rise. It's time to go with God again. Rise up out of that sin that has set you back in your walk with God. Rise up out of the sorrow of your circumstance. Rise up out of the haunting reminders of your yesterday. Rise up out of the fear. Rise up out of the uncertainty. You have not been disqualified. You have not been disqualified from the plan of God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's in my notes once, but I'm going to say it a third time because the enemy has been lying to some of you and telling you the absolute opposite of that truth. You hear me? You have not been disqualified. 
It matters not how many times you doubted. It doesn't matter how many times you messed up and gave in to that temptation. There's blood to cover that. But you need to silence the voice of the adversary that says you've gone too far. You've messed up too many times. You've exhausted the... You've exhausted the mercy of God. You need to silence that voice today and understand that the mercies of God are made new every morning. The devil can lie. He can scheme. He can plan against me. But God's love is an everlasting love. He hasn't banished me. He hasn't given up on me. He's still got a plan. William Brown said this, failure is an event, but it is never a person. Failure is an event, but it is never a person. Some of you have stumbled into the lighthouse today calling your own self by your failure rather than your name. Some of you have come in here today and you have let that failure identify you. Because the enemy has never let you forgot that fall, that mistake. And though the enemy calls you by that failure and you have begun to identify yourself by that failure, I want you to tune your ear to the voice of the Spirit today because God is not calling you by your failure. God is not calling you by your sin. God is not identifying you by all of your troubles and your heartaches. You hear this preacher from Oklahoma, he is calling you by your name. He is calling you by name. I wish somebody would just throw your hands in the air right now and let the chains of condemnation be broken right now in your spirit. Amen. You may have failed, but that is not who you are. That is not your identity. You may have fallen short. You may have missed the mark in 22. Amen. But that is not who you are. You are loved of God and favored by him come on I just feel like deliverance is in this room today every chain of condemnation God is able to break in this service today amen you need to get the understanding that God loves me and God is calling me to get up from where I've been and to go with him again What, what, what does that beloved verse of Micah say? Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall 
will arise. At the beginning of a new year, I say it's time to get a new foothold. It's time to get up. It's time to rise to a new place. It's time to make up your mind I'm not staying down. I'm not wallowing in yesterday. I'm not falling into the trap of repeated failure. I'm getting up and I'm going with God again. I I want you to listen to me. I'm not going to preach past this, but I must get this across to somebody. When Jesus initially called Peter, James, and John, his recorded words of invitation in Matthew chapter 4 were these. Follow me. And after three years, after after a lot of failures in Matthew 26, 22 chapters later, Jesus shows that his desire for them had not changed at all. Because even after their failure in the garden to watch and to pray, Jesus spake words that were strikingly similar to those used when he first called them. Before they failed, he said, follow me. After they failed, he said, rise. Let us be going. Because ladies and gentlemen, God's purpose for your life is not predicated on your perfection. I believe in holiness and righteousness and we ought to separate ourselves from the world. We ought to come out from among them. We ought not touch the unclean thing. Do not misunderstand my message today. We ought to live above the reproach of sin and iniquity. But I want you to understand, do not let the enemy get in your mind and spirit and tell you that because you have missed the mark of perfection that God does love you, that God cannot use you, that there is not an anointing and a purpose that God desires to place upon your life. I've come to preach to you if he did it for Peter, he can do it for you. If he did it for James, he can do it for you. If he did it for John, he'll do it for you. Even after your failure, the invitation still stands. Your sin doesn't exempt you. Your past does not disqualify you. Jesus says it's all right. I've got blood to cover that. Let's go again. Get up and let's walk together. Praise God. Hands lifted all over this room right now. Come on, would you lift your hands high in the air right now? Come on, somebody let those chains begin to break in your spirit.
Aleluya. Hallelujah. I hurry quickly to a close. But I want you to notice something Jesus said when he forewarned his disciples about their failure, quoting the prophecy of Zechariah, saying, The sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Jesus warned them, but he also gave them a word of promise. There was a word of warning. There was a word of promise. Directly on the heels of, you're going to forsake me and you're going to be scattered. Jesus said, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Jesus was in so many words saying, you will fail me, but I will never fail you. You may forsake to fulfill the purpose that I've put upon you in this moment, but even that cannot stop me from fulfilling salvation's plan. Going to the cross, being buried in the grave, and being resurrected to new life. Jesus said, you may scatter, but I will gather you again unto myself. You, you may feel lost, but I will find you again. It does not matter what you've done or what you've struggled with. This is what I felt this morning as I was praying that I would be preaching today not only to people that, that messed up and failed and got it wrong last year, but that I would be preaching even to saints of God that you didn't necessarily fail in sin or make some mistake. It was as if the Spirit spoke to me this morning and said there will be good people of God that didn't fall to sin, but they failed to be all that I've called them. There's people in this room today, your failure is not something you did. Maybe it's something you didn't do. And on the second Sunday of this new year, the Spirit is speaking in this room right now. You don't have to wallow in the realities of what was, what could have or should have been. There's an invitation of mercy and grace being extended into this sanctuary right now. There's forgiveness in this house today. There's mercy in this house today. The voice of the Spirit is saying, rise. Let us be going. Let us be going. The final chapter of John's gospel tells the moment in which Peter was restored. 
fault and failure had been openly exposed. Jesus asked Peter three times, Simon, do you love me? And then feed my sheep. Following Peter's humble confirmation of love, much different than his prideful confession of loyalty days earlier, Jesus did it again. He did it again. He called Peter up from his failure using the same hollowed and and highly sentimental words he had used when he first called Peter. After all the failures, and after Peter had given up on God and gone back to fishing, Jesus said, follow me. His failures were far more than a few, but he found it within himself to go with God. Peter found it within himself to get up and dust himself off and follow the call of God to an upper room where God would anoint and use Peter to preach the very first message of salvation to the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost because Peter stepped into a new season. Peter seized a new day and said, I will go with God. The opportunity God has set before us in this room right now is the opportunity to start over. To forget those things which are behind and to reach forth unto those things which are before. Would you lift your hands all over this room right now?